Good Thursday morning to you. Welcome to Brewers Briefing. It's where we talk about what's happening in the world of news, current events, and you get briefed, by gosh, every single day, weekdays anyway, that is, from 8 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Thanks for joining us this morning. We've got a, a special guest on the program today, Senator James Lank. We talked to him earlier this morning. We'll be uh, playing that for you today. We'd love for you to get involved. It's the best way to make the program phenomenal. And so give us a call. Give us a text, 918-756-3646. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. 918-756-3646. I love it when people clap when you push the button. It's fantastic. It, it, it's it's fake and phony, but it, it still makes you feel just a little bit more special. All right. Again, 918-756-3646. Text or call. You can send in your memes and jokes and, and good mornings and just whatever you want to text in there, okay? It's there for you and your texting pleasure. All right. Let's take a, a look at the weather forecast, see what it's doing out there. It's warm, 70 degrees. I need to be checking that radar. It says a thunderstorm in the vicinity. We had some bad storms come through last night. Not good. 70 right now. Winds gusting 10 to 30. Uh, from 10 to 30. Anyway, uh, the forecast today, looking for about 74 the high. And windy. Winds 25 to 35. And a chance of rain at 60%. We'll check that radar again coming up here in just a second. Tonight down to 47 degrees. Tomorrow going to be cloudy and gradually becoming sunny. High near 70 tomorrow. Down to 43 overnight. Saturday, much cooler, 62 and partly sunny skies. North winds, 15 to 20. Mm, Sunday, going to be about 60. Down to 45 overnight. Monday, what do we got? No, I thought it was warm up. No, 60 on Monday with a 50% chance of thunderstorms in the afternoon. 60% chance Monday night of rain. Showers likely on Tuesday. 70% chance of that and a high in the mid-60s. Still poopy. 70% chance of rain Tuesday night. And Wednesday, a 50% chance of rain. Still in the mid-60s. What happened to all that nice weather we were having? Windy, cold, rainy. Man, oh, man. All right. Let's go to, where's my next red radar? Do you know I had one of those? It's right here. Next to me. Let me see the next rad. See what we got on the radar out there. We have some rain just to the north of uh, the northwestern part of the Okmulgee County. Just, well, it's, it's probably passing over I-75 there right now. About Winchester is the heaviest up in that area. Maybe already past that around Glenpool. A little bit of rain up in that area, too. A little bit of light rain in Tulsa. And then uh, some a little bit out west of Okima over there. Not too much. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty light. Nothing serious out there this morning. But have you seen all the pictures on social media? Everybody posting pictures of their baseball-sized hail. It's huge. We got hail in Oklahoma City, but it was about no quarter size. Okay, it's moving to the southeast. I was wrong now that I see the trajectory. So it may be actually uh, still coming. Let me see where is it. At. Yeah, it's maybe it's coming through Old Mulgee here in just a second. Normally it goes northeast. I assumed it was going that way, but no, it's, it's heading to the southeast today anyway baseball size hail was reported in, in different places around the state just destructive as heck there was a tornado ripped through um oklahoma baptist university in shawnee we'll talk about that senator Langford talked about that some too so let's check temperatures around the state it's we got a huge variance out there we got 30s up in the panhandle and we got 72 down at seminole or we did have they were the hot spot. Now it's 71 around that area right there. 71 down south. Man, well, we got 71 here in Old Mulgee. We are tied for the prize of the hottest uh, county and hottest city in the state. You knew you were hot, didn't you? Yes, you did. And it's official here as well. All right, let me see. What else? So got the weather, got this, got that. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay, we checked that. We got, got everything done. Did we, did we get it all done? Okay, I think so. Anyway, good morning to you. And um, got to check the old text line here. Welcome to spring and rainy. I know. It's, that's the way it is in Oklahoma. Somebody said, can you ask Senator Langford about Tucker Carlson's story about U.S. having nuclear ties and troops on ground in Ukraine? 
Mm, we already did the interview. As a matter of fact, sorry about that. It's a pre-recorded. I did it this morning, but it's already done. It's already in the can. So we didn't talk about that. We talked about debts and deficits, and uh, and we got to get a handle on the on the money situation in our country. It's out of control. You know, it's out of control. It's been out of control for decades. Nobody seems to want to do anything about it because, well, it's it's not great for votes, right? I mean, nobody wants to get their little subsidy cut. You can't cut, you know, the farmer subsidy. They don't. That's not going to get you any votes. And you can't cut Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare. You can't cut any. You can't cut anybody's benefits, right? It's like, but he did say there are lots of things we can cut. Like he talked about a walking trail in Napa. California, one of the richest counties in the United States, and the federal government's buying walking trails out there. Probably not good. Anyway, let's see what we got. Something here, news got some two dead as extremely dangerous tornado rips through Oklahoma. And let's see what this story says. I haven't pulled all these up just quite yet. Like I said, I know OBU took a a direct hit. Senator said it was one of the worst, uh, I think the worst damage ever to OBU out there. Okay, and that story's not pulling up, so we'll just bypass that. Severe storm. Did, did you guys get, anybody get anything major, get any damage where you are? I'd, I'd like to know about it if, if you got some some damage. At least two people have been killed in uh, around Cole, Oklahoma. Death toll possibly could climb as crews find other stuff in small towns. Uh, Power was down to about 20,000 homes and businesses in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Iowa. Most significant tornado rolled through Coal, a town of about 600 people, 30 miles to the south of Oklahoma City. Of course, that's the same storm that went through Shawnee, did all that destruction over there. At least 14 tornadoes reported in three states. Me, we are in the season, aren't we? It is just right now upon us. So keep your eye to the sky, people. It's it's uh, it's Oklahoma. It's spring and it's nasty sometimes out there. So anyway, let me know if anything happened in in your neck of the woods that we need to know about. All right, got a good morning from Detroit, Michigan, Mister Brewer. Rock on, sir. Let's see. Yesterday you were in Chicago. Last week you were in Rock Springs, Wyoming. Today you're you're in uh, Michigan, Detroit. Bless your little old heart. Are, are you on vacation? Are you? Would you go to Detroit on purpose, or did somebody force you to go there? You have to be forced to go to Detroit, I guess. But if you're in Michigan and you get a chance, go up north and uh, and go to uh, go to. Uh, God, well, I could just drew a blank. I got friends up there, up in the up in the upper Yoop, up there. What's it called? The golly, you know when you get old and you can't remember stuff. That's happening to me. Mackinac Island's a good place to go. Go up north, go way up there and, and enjoy that. It's beautiful up north anyway. Michigan's pretty 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 state, pretty country now, pretty state. Uh, good morning, Vicky. I'm already getting memes from Vicky. Vicky is the meme queen. Oh my gosh, got a good morning. One right there. I know the voices aren't real, but man, do they ever come up with some great ideas? There's another meme. Ain't that the truth right there? Well, thanks for listening in Detroit. That's awesome. Love to know where you people are listening from. It's always interesting to me to find that out. I think it's cool. But let's jump into the news and see what's going on. All right, we had the weather stuff. Have you seen this report? Golly. John Fetterman. Is his name John? I think that's right. Yeah, John. Senator John is a senator from uh, Pennsylvania. This, this this guy, you know, he was not very smart before they voted him in. It was very obvious. It's a weird clown show up there in that race, they, Dr. Oz and this guy. It's like Dr. Oz and a fence post going at this thing together, and, and Dr. Oz lost to the fence post, literally. And the poor guy got in there and then he had some medical problems. He had a stroke a while back before all this and that affected him quite a bit. And then he, he, well, he checked himself into a rehab for depression. I mean, like 15 minutes after he got to DC, he's like, depressing and I get it, <laughs> but he is kind of MIA for a while. Well, he got out and he's back at the Capitol 
And yesterday was some footage of him chairing a committee meeting, which I was kind of shocked at. Like he's, he's chairing this meeting. Okay. Let's see how this goes. And it was terrible. This poor guy has got some serious brain damage going on. And I am not making fun of this guy at all. I, I feel, I feel bad for the guy. He, he's, he's in terrible health and mental shape. And he is reading, he, he's chairing this committee. So he's opening up the committee with his opening statements reading. I'm telling you, I don't even know third, fourth grade level, maybe can barely read and speak and think. And yet he is the Senator representing all of Pennsylvania, which is kind of a populated place. And here's a story from news channel. Uh, Fetterman raised eyebrows on Wednesday with his choppy opening statement after his return to the Senate. Uh, that's, that's putting it mildly pretty choppy. All right. And it just, you just went on. I mean, I could play it for you, but it's just, you, you kind of need to see it too. It's, it's just one of them sad deals. You know, it's like, well, what, what do you got? And you got Feinstein out there that can't show up and she's old. She's 90. You know, it's time for her to go to pasture. You've wrecked enough lives as your Senate run. Anyway, it's just, it's, it's bad. Anyway, so that's, that's in the news. That was yesterday, but they'll keep him in there. Cause he, he's their man. They need the votes, right? And he votes the way he's told to vote. And that's just the way it is. Okay. All right, let's see. Eight fifteen. So I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play this little article from from Steve Cortez, and then I'm gonna segue right into the senators um, because these things talk about the same thing. We're talking about money and economy and what's happening to you and I in uh, in this country. So here's uh, Stephen Cortez. Corporate media catches on that the repo man is getting very busy. People are getting upside down on their car payments and their home payments and all kind of stuff. And he's uh, he's talking about that right here. Patriots, Patriots, tragically, massive corporate layoffs, they are accelerating, especially in the tech space. But one job that's very much in demand, being a repo man, because Americans cannot afford their cars. Let's look at the numbers in a chalk talk. Last year, 2022, Americans lost $1 trillion in real disposable income. That was the worst percentage drop since the Great Depression making it incredibly hard for Americans to deal with rising interest rates and more expensive loans on things like automobiles. Car payments, $1,000 a month or higher, that's now 16% of all auto loans, all-time high. For context, three years ago, that number was only 6%, which translates into a giant jump in the percentage of Americans who are severely delinquent in their auto loans, meaning they haven't paid in three months. We just put in a number of almost 6% there, which is worse than the levels of the Great Recession of 2008-2009. Patriots, these numbers, this economic reality, makes it imperative that the House GOP hold the line regarding the debt ceiling. Okay, and we're going to be talking with the Senator about that. $1,000 a month car payments, 16% of all car payments are now over that number, which is three times what it was just two years ago. And so I, you know, I hate to be the bearer of always bad news. I'm just the bearer of the news. It just happens to always be bad. At least in the last couple of years, it, it's been <clears throat> horrible economically for the country, interest rates. Did you hear that? We've lost a trillion dollars in disposable income worst since the depression interest inflation will absolutely just destroy your wealth. And that's what's happening. And now car payments, house payments, everything. I mean, it's it's uh, it's destroying the country. Okay. <clears throat> I got another text here on the text line. Trisha's listening from next door. Hi, Trisha. That's pretty close. Thank you for, for checking in. Appreciate that. That's awesome. And I got another text here. Muskegon and Ludington are worth visiting up in Michigan. Really? Haven't been there. And Faye Roy says... Grandpa always said most of those boys can't do anything else, so they run for office in the government. <laughs> well, you know, Grandpa, he knew some stuff, didn't he? Yeah, oh, Gramps, he sure did right there. Okay, but let's go on to our interview with Senator Lincoln because we're talking about the debt ceiling and uh, and the situation. So here is Senator James Lankford from this morning. 
Today we're talking with Senator Senator James Langford. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good morning to you as well. Where are you calling from today? Sometimes it's D.C., sometimes I, it's not. So I'm in Washington, D.C. today. Uh, what is sunny and clear, unlike uh, Oklahoma, which is recovering from storm damage today. Oh, my gosh. We got some major storms came through. Some I'm seeing lots of pictures on social media of baseball-sized hail, so uh, not good. Yeah, not good. We have uh, more than 20,000 folks that had lost power and uh, a lot of damage. Shawnee, have any communication with the folks at Oklahoma Baptist? Uh, they took uh, significant damage uh, there in the center of Shawnee, and this will be actually the worst damage that's ever occurred in the history of the university there. Uh, so there's a lot of cleanup that will be happening. And Hope that a lot of folks will jump in and grab trash bags and gloves and start helping their neighbors. Was that due primarily to hail or was there a tornado that did the damage? Actually, a tornado that came right through Shawnee and uh, directly across the Baptist campus. Wow. That's uh, that's tough. That's Oklahoma, though. Gosh, we're we're used to that stuff. And it's this time of year, I guess. It is this time of year, but it's also the time of year that uh, we jump in and help each other. Uh, that's that's what we do. Well, it's true. That's the Oklahoma standard. We talked about that yesterday, as we uh, you know remembered the Oklahoma City bombing so many years ago, uh, and uh, the Oklahoma standard is was kind of set back then. So that's uh, that's you're right. Helping each other out. That's what we do. So hopefully that'll help. Uh, that'll happen down there in Shawnee. So I know you're working on some uh, debts, deficit, uh, debt ceilings, all that kind of stuff. Tell us about what's happening up there. Yeah, I spent a lot of time working on debt issues, and uh, I put out an annual report called the Federal Fumbles. Uh, it is following this year right around the debt ceiling conversation, which is very apropos. The Federal Fumble book that I put out every year uh, isn't just an attack on the federal government. It's a statement of saying, hey, there's some good folks that are doing good work, but there's also a lot of areas that are just getting botched, and it's wasting taxpayer dollars, or it's also really putting us in a bad spot on the world stage. So we try to expose some of those issues. But this debt ceiling conversation has become irrational in some ways. We're the only country in the world that has a debt ceiling vote like this. We're it. The reason we have this debt ceiling vote is that it forces a conversation about the debt that we have and what we're going to do to bring down our debt and spending every time we get to this. So it, it, it's not something that as President Biden says we should just ignore and just keep and just pass it and just keep going on. Uh, it is designed to make us stop and to be able to talk about it. We absolutely should be able to negotiate what are we going to do to change the trajectory and to make it even more ironic on this. When President Biden was actually Senator Biden, he voted against debt ceiling votes 10 times, 10 times he voted against debt ceiling votes. Uh, so now all this, you just got to pass it. You can't ever debate about the debt ceiling. You should never, you know, turn it down. It's just nonsensical. Uh, so it is something that we should actually talk about and that we should actually uh, try to negotiate with the White House and say, we've got to change the trajectory of spending. This is absurd. Well, and that's what I was going to say, the exact same. The trajectory that we're on in our spending and our debt is getting so far out of control that our our interest payments are going to be more than we spend on national defense. It is. We have, we're approaching that number now. So it sounds to me it's primarily a Republican-backed issue to try to get a handle on this debt. Is that always been the case? I mean, you mentioned Senator Biden back in the day of voting against any kind of a debt ceiling. But, yeah, I don't know that Republicans have been too good over the decades of, of oh, spending no. either. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, well, this is, this is a bipartisan issue. It seems like we both suck at this. 100 percent. And th this is this is the battle that we're on right now is that it's so much easier just to say we'll deal with that later. Well, it's now officially later. Uh, we're now in a spot where we're spending more uh, uh, than our gross domestic product uh, on our debt. Uh, our interest rates are continuing to accelerate. This is the moment we talked about. In fact, I wrote uh, opinion pieces on 10 years ago uh, saying this day is coming. We've got to be prepared for it. And well, I have very little response. And I would tell you, you're right. This is a bipartisan ignoring uh, of the future problem on this. Uh, I had this conversation with President Trump several times uh, that President Trump uh, made the statement to me several times. Hey, I'm a real estate guy. Interest rates are low right now. Now is the time to borrow more. We should be borrowing and interest rates are low uh, so we can keep all these things going. And my statement was there is a time those interest rates pop up and it kills us to point. So uh, President Obama wasn't serious about it. President Trump wasn't serious about it. And President Biden certainly is not serious about it. 
President Trump's spending was much less than what President Biden's was, uh, but there was still not a focus on how we're going to actually bring this thing down. We've got to actually have those hard conversations to be able to solve this. Well, and speaking of that, I'm glad you said that. So the hard conversations, it seems, is that what's, is that the main reason nobody wants to, to, to go in this direction? Because, well, we may have to cut some of these subsidy programs that everybody is so, you know, cherishes so much. Is that the main crux of it all, why nobody wants to go there? Yeah, it, that, that is the main part of it, is that everyone says it's so much easier to spend than it is to save. Uh, that is just in our normal daily life, uh, as the well as, is, as it is in government. Uh, Congress seems to do something when they have to do something. When is the moment we have to reduce spending? Um, and that moment is typically when everything crashes. And so I'm trying to get us ahead of that and say we don't need to have a crash. We need to actually be proactive on this and to be able to deal with the issues. And again, this can be done. It's not going to be done in a year. Anyone who says to you they've got a plan to put us back into balance in a year is irrational. There's not a plan to put us back into balance in a year. This is going to take decades to be able to get us back on. But you got to have the first step on this. In 2011, we did the Budget Control Act around the debt ceiling conversation. At that time, uh, we, we actually reduced real spending, not with the Washington Fed numbers. Real spending went down two years in a row. That was around a debt ceiling vote. That was around an agreement to say, what are we going to do to reduce spending? Now, that didn't hold. It was two years in a row spending went down, and then the next Congress came in, and then spending went back up again, and it's continued to go. And during the time of COVID, it went crazy uh, in some ways because it was the ultimate rainy day in our economy, and then President Biden just continued that. Uh, so it's now time to be able to pay the bills for that. So let me ask you, does this touch Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security? Are we talking about cuts in those areas? Because that's, I think that's no. what nobody wants to talk about. So no, that, it, 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 it is not. And, and what, what Kevin McCarthy has proposed doesn't touch any of those programs. And now I have to tell you, 10 years from now in Social Security, it's insolvent uh, 10 years from now. So we do need to have an adult conversation about Social Security. And that's not about cutting benefits. Uh, that's always the crazy thing that people put out there. But we do need to figure out a way to be able to stabilize this program so it is consistent and it is funded. The same thing Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill did uh, back in the 1980s where they looked at Social Security, had a hard adult conversation on it, stabilized it for decades. It's time to do that again. Uh, but so far, the White House has been demagoguing any conversation about that, uh, saying that all you, all you want to talk about is cutting benefits, which is just not true and not rational. Yeah, I know that's their their campaign slogan now. What what are primarily where are the cuts going to need to come from to make a big difference? So the correct answer on that is just about everything. Yes, uh, we we've got to be able to look at each of the programs to be able to determine is this actually going to the place it needs to be? Are we spending wisely in these programs? Some of those areas are going to be yes, some are going to be no. We've got to continue to do roads. We've got to do national defense. We've got to do uh, national security. There are safety net issues uh, that we've got to have. All, all those things are important. It's just the key question of, are we doing this correct? And some of these are going to be small or large. Let me give you an example. One of the things in my federal fumble book that's going to come out is that we just did a $4 million grant. I know in the federal government, that's small, but it's a good example. A $4 million grant to build a walking trail in Napa Valley, California. Now, that is one of the wealthiest communities in America. I'm confident the folks in Napa Valley can pay for their own walking trail. But for whatever reason, the federal government just paid for that. And uh, to be able to put that out, well, that that's ridiculous. The, those kind of issues we've got to be serious about and to say, why are we doing this walking trail in Napa Valley, California, when we should be actually using that money and, and getting it back to the American people and not spending it or not increasing our debt. So we literally added to our debt, creating a walking trail for the the highest value area in the entire country. Okay, the, <laughs> and the, I'm sure there are hundreds of those kinds concept. of examples. I'm oh, sure hundreds. We've got hundreds. We've got hundreds of those. But that's where I begin those issues and say we got to look at all of our, the way we do foreign aid, the way we do our programs, the way we make decisions, even the way we do highways. We, it's much more expensive to build a federal highway than it is a state highway because the regulations that are built around federal highways drive the cost up significantly. We're, we're not getting more miles out of it. We're just getting more paperwork out of it. That has got to stop so we can actually reduce uh, spending. Yeah, regulations over, over – I mean, regulations have their place, but over-regulations are, are a problem, and, and we're seeing that more and more and That's more, correct. I think, as the times goes on. And That's correct. Yeah, for sure. Well – 
that's uh, that's a lot to chew on for sure. Anything else uh, primarily on your plate that we need to know about today? Working a lot on immigration. Just met with Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, this week, and we had a good conversation to be able to talk about uh, what's happening with immigration and uh, how we can stop things that are people moving across the border. Uh, so we'll continue to be able to push on the administration on that. That is a again a common sense thing to do, uh, but for whatever reason, this administration is choosing not to be able to do it. We put several proposals on the table to be able to change the way we define the word asylum, and we'll see if they actually implement it. They're giving us some cautious statements that they're considering this, if they'll actually put that into place, uh, then it could be a game changer for what's happening at the border, but we'll keep pushing. What is the new concern? I saw a report this morning, as a matter of fact, that a time frame, and I can't remember what the exact months were from year to year, where it was 71 Chinese nationals that came across the border in this time frame. This year, it's 2,000 and something. So we're seeing this major, major uptick in Chinese military age men coming across the right. southern border. What's what's the conversation going on up here around that stuff? We're, we're most definitely talking about that. In fact, I spent a lot of time talking about that, not only in intelligence uh, conversations, but also in national security, homeland security conversations. Last time I was at the border, I physically watched two individuals get arrested coming across the border. They were trying to outrun mounted patrol and they found out they're not faster than a horse and i uh, were picked up and arrested there both of them were chinese nationals literally trying to run across the border to be able to avoid border patrol uh, so these are not the folks that they describe that are crossing the border and turning themselves in these are folks sprinting across the border trying to find a gap and to be able to get through and to be able to sneak into the country and uh, they're chinese nationals when they pick them up so uh, they, they do mean to do us harm. They are making in for a reason, uh, and it's it's significant. Some of those are ending up in Oklahoma and marijuana farms and other places. Uh, some of those are folks who are ending up in criminal organizations, and some of them we have no idea uh, why they're coming. But I would tell you the Chinese government it, it, that isn't sending people into the United States because they love America so much. Yeah, uh, this, <laughs> this is an issue of, of, of them being very strategic. As Trump would say, they're not sending their best. I mean, you think about it. If they were, if it was legit, they could come over on an airplane straight to the United States and just overstay their visa. But no, they're going way down to the South America through Colombia and making their way all the way up through the jungles and everything else to get here. So something is not kosher on that front. That's for sure. Yep, 100%. And that that is an issue for us. We're also picking up a record numbers of folks that are on our watch list. And as I visited with Alejandro Mayorkas, we do not have criminal records for individuals they're releasing into the country. So even folks that are coming in from many areas that were saying, well, maybe these folks are coming into work. We don't know if they're coming in uh, because they're fleeing poverty or fleeing justice. We do not have criminal records for these individuals from their home countries. Uh, so th this is a major issue for us on national security of having really millions of people that have crossed the country that we don't know their background. Well, it is, and it has been for the last two and a half years, and it looks like nothing is changing. Nothing is being fixed because the numbers keep going up. They yeah. are. Yeah, they yeah. went up again last week. And Alejandro yeah. Mayorga says, well, we're down 95% from some countries. And when he said that to me, I laughed. I said, well, but the numbers total are still up. Uh, we still continue to increase. So you can't say we're down 95% from some countries uh, when the total number is up 125% from last month. Why does this guy still have a job? That's my question. He works at the pleasure of the president, and oh, uh, this will oh. be one of those issues in the days ahead uh, that uh, they'll continue to be a push that he has he has got to step up in this point, and he's doing what the president is asking him to do. So the issue is not Alejandro Mayorkas. Everybody wants to focus on him. It's his boss. Uh, he is doing what his boss wants him to do. Well, I, had, I heard there was some talk of impeaching him. I guess that's a, maybe a moot point. I don't know. Maybe that's not going to happen. There is. Uh, and, and, the, and the House may have that kind of vote at some point, but you're going to have to get 67 people in the Senate to be able to do that. And yeah, that's not going to happen. Not going to so, happen. Yeah. Again, that's noise and, and saber rattling. Ultimately, we've got to be able to put a pressure on the American people yeah. to be able to put pressure on this White House to say, do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Senator James Lankford, thank you so much for your time, sir. Appreciate it very much. Always good talking to you, and we appreciate what you are doing for America. You've been glad to be able to do it. You know, pray for the folks in Central Oklahoma around these tornadoes. We'll do it, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, sir. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.
835 is our time. Welcome to Brewers Briefing as we embark on the roller coaster ride through the labyrinth of current events, leaving no epistemological stone unturned. My gosh, that's what we do here every day. Weekdays, 8 to 9 Central. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got Damon back in here from Sherman. Good morning, sir. And uh, so so we we talked with the great Senator Langford, good guy, and easy to talk to, and I think doing doing the best he can in D.C. And uh, he's got his federal fumbles, foibles, whichever it was, fumbles, I think it was, his little book he comes out with all the waste in Washington. And uh, we got the we got the the walking trail out there in Napa Valley. And the first thing that came to my mind when he said that was Nasty Pelosi. And Damon said the same thing. He's like, "How oh, it's Nasty Pelosi." I'm thinking that's got to be her district out there. It's who you know, right? It's not what you know. It's who you know. And they wanted to walk and trail through the wine vineyards in Napa. So they could get out of the, you know, doo-doo infested San Francisco with all the doo-doo on the sidewalks and the needles laying around. They need a walking trail at Napa Valley, by gosh. And they got it from federal government paid for it. And well, there was another one, Michelle Obama's walking trail. Why up there somewhere off of Martha's Vineyard or wherever that is that the government paid for too. I remember something like that from last year. That was in the deal. Or was it Mike Obama? I, I get them confused. Anyway. Somebody said the China thing sounds like Castro prisoner dump and mentally ill export. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, you see, you see these videos. All these Chinese national dudes are all military age men, all young men, coming into the United States through the southern border. Chinese dudes, for what? And you know, we we've had an invasion happening. I mean, I get so frustrated with this stuff. I just don't even know what to say about it. We, we had Trump working hard. He saw that this was a problem back in the day. It's a problem. It's a problem. So let's build a damn wall. You know, let's do something. And we couldn't even get the Republicans on board back then. Remember, he needed $5 billion, a measly $5 billion. You know, that sounded like a lot of money, I guess, but nothing now. Like we send billions here and there all the time. And we couldn't get the wall. Got a little bit of wall built. Republicans were no help, didn't get it finished, and they're still <laughs> funneling through. So we got this invasion happening for the last two and a half years. It's, it's increasing like crazy. This Alejandro Mayorkas is not doing any good. They're still coming across the border every day, left and right. The numbers are increasing every single day. Do we not know this? Do we not care? Half the country doesn't give a about it. They don't even care. They're being invaded left and right every day. And Mayorkas still has a job. He, I've heard, you know, like I asked the senator about, can't we impeach this guy? You know, it's just saber rattling. Nobody's ever going to do anything. He's not going to lose his job. He's an embarrassment to himself. You got to see him at these hearings. It's terrible. An invasion is happening to our country. And I'm telling you, half of the country doesn't care. They don't even care. Like, well, there's no such thing as illegal people. That's what Whoopi Goldberg would say. Bring in your tuberculosis. Bring in your COVID. Bring in your terrorists. Bring them in. And, of course, a bunch of them, like you said, land in Oklahoma. They landed in Texas. They land, we're coming, they're coming here first. But it's, it's just kind of on the, on the, on the way. And it's a uh, It's a disaster. And you, you look to Washington, what are y'all doing? Well, we're having hearings, we're having meetings, and we're talking about it. And Okay, all right, well, that's good. That's great. Well, that's, that's a lot of damn talk going on up there, right? Not a lot of doing. A lot of talking. I saw a little clip. I, I, I kind of wanted to play it. I, I don't think I will, but it's from Tucker talking about the whole um, Epstein thing. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein and, and him committing suicide, you know, in prison and all that. And he played a clip of uh, Bill Barr three years ago. We're going to get to the bottom of this. There's some really concerning things happening in this prison. You know, the, the cameras being turned off and a couple of the prison guards lying on federal documents that were both, by the way, let out. Uh, Obama, Obama appointed judge uh, released those guys. And uh, 
<laughs> so come to find out now, evidently, there has been uh, a report, and I think Tucker Carlson had it. I don't know where it is right now. But the phone, the 911 phone records or something from the prison have been deleted from that day. Shocking. Just not getting to the bottom. We're talking about it, but we're not getting to the bottom of anything. Just a lot of talking up there. So what they do, they talk. And some of them don't even hardly know how to talk, like John Fetterman. Can't hardly even speak. So, so anyway, I don't make fun of the guy. It's, it's just a disaster. It really is. All right, let's move on. We've got other things here and 19 minutes to talk about it. Bodies are stacking up. In Texas, have you heard about this? The uh, the lake down there. Let's see what do we got here. Again and again, men have turned up dead. Austin, Texas, Ladybird Lake, a stretch of the Colorado River running through the heart of the city, near all the uh, oh, not strip bars, strip of bars, <laughs> uh, and food trucks on Rainy Street. Four bodies this year already. As many as eight in the t- in the past ten months. They're finding these bodies in this. This lake down there, and I'm like, well, there could be a serial killer on the loose. Yes, well, that may be the case. It's a mystery. The answers to other lingering questions are likely known to investigators, but not to the public, said John Kelly, criminal profiler, who has interviewed numerous serial killers. So anyway, they're checking into it. Weirdness going on down there. Weirdness everywhere. Crime, weirdness, bodies, serial killers. It's the stuff of Hollywood. Here's another report about how, how people think about vaccines. Um, let me ask you a question. Tell me what you think. Are you more confident in vaccines in general or less confident? In all vaccines, not just the COVID juice. But all all the vaccines, like the ones that are required for your kids, are you more confident that they're okay or less confident? My guess is most of you would be less confident in the vaccine process now than pre-COVID days. So here is a uh, little chart that's put together out there and somebody ask these questions to lots of people out there, UNICEF and Vaccine Confidence Project. And uh, China, they're more confident in vaccines over China because they will be uh, put in concentration camp if they don't say yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Vaccines, great. Uh, India, they're a little bit more pro as well. Mexico thinks they're better now, but that's about the only people on the planet. And Australia is down. They don't believe any vaccines are trustworthy now. They're, they're down about 7.5%. Lots of these countries are not trusting vaccines anymore so much. And the United States fell down 13.6% in con, uh, you know, vaccine confidence. The highest number was uh, Republic of Korea, Papua New Guinea. They're like, mm-mm. Japan, no, 33%. We don't trust them anymore. So that is just an interesting little graph here. And, you know, these people do it to themselves. <laughs> you know, when you're constantly lying to the public and switching your story all the damn time, don't wear a mask. Remember way back in the day, masks are not needed. Don't wear them. Save them for the nurses. It's, it's, it's not necessary. It's not going to do any good. I mean, Fauci was on video over and over talking all about that. And then... It came out with, no, you must wear a mask. Oh, my gosh, of course wear a mask. Everybody mask. Mask mandates. You must wear a mask all times, everywhere, even in your home, by yourself. And so we had that whole deal going on. And some people evidently loved that because you still see them in their car with their mask on or walking down a street by themselves in the you know wide open spaces with a mask on. It's weird. Anyway, so that we had all that, and so then it was, well, you could wear two masks. If you really wanted to, you know, kind of tighten up your game a little bit, you'd wear two. 
And so then we have that. Now we've come out with, again, now, now new stuff, mask, no good, don't help, don't need them. I'm talking from the CDC. This is this is the back and forth, you know, ping pong game we've been playing with the CDC. And it's the same with the vaccinations. Remember, no, the vaccinations. Oh, 100% efficacious, safe and effective. Oh, well, 95%. Well, that's, that's close. I mean, 95% are safe and effective. Get your vaccines. Here's your free cheeseburger and french fries if you get your vaccine. And Well, they're 80% effective. I mean, 80, 95. I mean, you know, it's kind of a thing. Well, 60 I mean, I mean, a new test. And now we're, we're well, a different, you know, different strain. Well, okay, forty. I mean, thirty. Well, they're not any good at all. Okay, well, so we were wrong, and we, you know, but but get them anyway. Let's mandate them anyway. And you got these colleges doing it, mandating it for the kids, and it's like you know. And then now people are you know getting injured and dying and blood clotting, and we talk about that. It's like, and then they wonder why people are less confident in. You know, any vaccine. And um, I I really, really do encourage you parents that have small kids that have to face this question. What should I do about vaccinating my kids? It's a huge topic. And there are people that are, you know, the religious activist clerics on both sides of this this issue that will jump up and down and scream all day long about how important vaccinations are of all kinds. And yes, your child needs all 72 <laughs> or 172, whatever the numbers is nowadays numbers are. It's a lot. It's a lot of vaccinations required. I, I just, I'm telling you, I, I would, if I was a parent had to deal with that, I would be very skeptical as well. I have always been kind of skeptical but I'd be doing me some serious research about about the old vaccines that we're that we've been getting pushed on us all this time. I really would, and we know for sure these organizations are liars and they're untrustworthy. It's sad. I wish it wasn't the case. I wish it was the case with legacy media that you could believe it, but no. And it's the same with all these these people, and it's the same with the medical field. Uh, unfortunately, many of them are untrustworthy. They just given their talking points and they say what they're supposed to say so they can keep their job. So anyway, a lot of folks are not, not happy about that right there. Let's see. I got a text here from looks like a Blake Brewer phone number. Elon and SpaceX just launched the heaviest and biggest rocket. It was just going up and right back down in the Gulf. Didn't go perfect, but they said they learned a lot. Really? That's all it did is went up and went into the Gulf? Like, that's, that's all. I mean, that, that had to be kind of expensive, I would think. I thought he landed them back on the pad. I guess not with these big daddies, huh? I saw that they were getting ready for that. Well, welcome to the program, Brother Blake. I'm glad to have you, buddy. Have a safe trip up. Um, let's see what else we got here. I got some you textures coming in here. I'm trying to see what we got. We have memes. We have memes, we have memes and, and thoughts and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be getting to those. Look at some, some of that stuff. Okay. Anyway, so where were we? Where were we? What were we talking about? We were, we were, we were talking about stuff and, and then I got sidetracked from, from my brother, Blake. I'm, I'm going to the top news here. Okay. Let's keep rolling here with what I have for you. Okay, here, yeah, there's the there's the there's the Chinese folks coming in through uh, through the south, there's hundreds of them standing in line, standing in line, not good at all. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I got a, got a text here. It's a good morning from uh, from Hinton. I won't say who it is. You're you will be completely uh, anonymous. A question, did the senator say, for whatever reason, regarding the border being open, does not, does that mean he doesn't know why the current regime is keeping the border open, or is he just not saying why? Um, well, yeah, you know, we didn't, we didn't ask the question, why did they not want to really do anything about it? They, they claim that they are doing stuff about it, which we know they're not. But it's a good question, you know, what he would say if I asked him, why do you think they're letting all these people in? And we've speculated about it here. We've pontificated about it. We have, um, what are other words? We've 
cogitated about it here, regurgitated it. We have chewed upon it like cud. You know, I think personally that it has to do with bringing them all in, giving them free ice cream, give them immunity, or uh, not immunity, but uh, amnesty, and then they'll all vote Democratic and that they'll have power forever. Seems like a reasonable, logical thing that they're doing. You know, I would think. I mean, what other reason would it be? It's not some humanitarian because they love these people and they're just trying to help them get a better life. Come on in. Here's your, some, here's your phone and some money. Good luck. Help yourself. It's not that. They're not, they're not, they don't care about people. So I don't know what else it could be. Does anybody else have any thoughts about why the invasion is, is allowed to continue? That's the only thing I can really come up with. But it, it, it's a question I should have been asking him probably. Why do you think this is happening? What do you guys think? It'd be, it'd be good to know. Good to know. Other things that are good to know. Here is some good news uh, coming out of uh, Sweden and Finland. And England, systemic reviews, systematic reviews of evidence conducted by public health authorities in Finland, Sweden, and England concluded that the risk-benefit ratio of youth gender transition ranges from unknown to unfavorable. As a result, there has been a shift from gender affirmative care, which is genital mutilation, cutting your pee-pee off, that's what that means, which prioritizes access to medical interventions, to a more conservative approach that addresses psychiatric comorbidities and psychotherapeutically explores the developmental etiology of the trans identity. Debate about the safety and efficacy of gender-affirming care in the USA is only recently emerging. Yeah, really slow. So this is good news. So finally, some scientists have, have looked at, you know, how, how's this going to this butchering our young kids? How's this working out? Let's see. Is it improving their lives and their mental health or maybe not so much? Survey says not so much. That's shocking. What a revelation. Yes, it's, it's, it's shown here that the risk-benefit risk ratio is, well, it, it varies from unknown to unfavorable. We're not seeing any real positive things coming out of this deal, no matter what they tell you. Okay. Now they try to lie to you and go, oh, no, 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 no. The transgender. I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Well, yes, Dylan Mulvaney is happy. He's getting rich off of Bud Light and Nike. But the bunch of them are not happy. Man, it's it's destroying their, their, their soul. Okay. Their bodies and their souls are being destroyed. These people that are going through this transition at a young age, minors in, you know, with undeveloped minds. And then later go, well, shit. what the heck was I thinking back then? Now I'm destroyed. I talk like this and I look like this and I can't have kids and I can't have sexual pleasure. I mean, and on and on, it's just, it is disaster. So, so anyway, so finally, a little bit of good news coming out over there. Will, will America pay attention? No, they will not. They, they, they see lots of money involved here. And they can continue to push their their twisted satanic ideology on people. So they don't know that the left half of the country, which is about where we are, will continue on despite all evidence. And you know, because they don't care about the kids, they care about their ideology, which is there is no God. That's the ultimate. That's what they care about. That's what they're pushing. That's what they're going for. No God. Anything goes. Leave us alone. Okay. In other news, what time is it? Oh my gosh, it's about out of time. This is so good. I saw this little video yesterday. We're gonna, we're gonna maybe we'll end it on this one. What we might. This is from the Blaze Media. It's a great story. There's a, there's a pizza guy, delivery pizza guy, and this guy is probably six five, six six, biggest pizza delivery guy I've ever seen. He's uh, cruising around delivering for Coco's Pizzeria and Pub. Yeah, this is in Ash Aston, Pennsylvania. Broad daylight, and he's standing at the door. This is all on film. He's standing at the door of the house, ringing the doorbell to get the, get the pizza uh, away. And 
here comes a car crash, uh, going through a neighborhood, uh, driveway at a high speed. And he turns around and like, Oh my God, what's happening? This car's going through this yard and it's going crazy. And here's the cop cars and the sirens and the bada, bada, bada. It's all crashing right there on the scene around this little, little, you know, typical little neighborhood. And so the car stops, the cop cars stop. A guy jumps out of the, uh, the stolen car. And takes off running towards the pizza man. That was his first mistake or his last mistake. First mistake was stealing the car in the first place. But anyway, he was running toward the pizza guy. The pizza guy runs out to the sidewalk and sticks out his big old foot and trips this guy. It's all on film, man. He trips the trips the guy. The guy. He goes down, and the cops jump upon him and make the arrest. All the while, the guy never lost his pizza. Kept it in hand, and I think the breadsticks as well. He, he never lost it. He just kept his poise, and uh, and down goes the man. And so it's uh, pretty pretty awesome stuff right there. Heroic pizza man doing his thing, trying to help out. He's like, you know, I'm so sick of crime. You know, I, I like to lend a hand <laughs> or a foot when I can. And it was all caught on on tapes. Fantastic stuff right there. You know, there's there's still heroes. In the world, they don't all wear capes. Some of them deliver pizzas. It's my turn, I guess. Got to come back in here and wrap this puppy up. It's a couple of minutes away from uh, Tradio with Tricia. Man, glad to have you along with us for Brewers Briefing today. We podcast this sucker out there on Apple, Spotify, and Google for all five of you that are interested in that. Woo! Get it out there. Share it on your social media and, and all that kind of stuff so we can we can save America one broadcast at a time. It's what we're trying to do. There's lots more I didn't get in here for today, but tomorrow we'll talk about it. We had some some great stuff up in the house. Matt Gates was drilling a general yesterday, one of the top generals about men, biological men in the women's uh, bathrooms and stuff like that, and showers, showering, literally showering with them, and the in the military forcing all this kind of stuff. And he was asking this guy, you know, you guys' recruiting numbers are kind of down, right? Yeah, okay. Um, you think maybe this is some of this weirdness and this BS you guys are doing with all this woke ideology is maybe has an effect on that? Forcing the women, the actual women, to which we know what a woman is, to to shower with biological males who claim to be women. You think that's a good thing? Anyway, so he, he drills them on that. That's a good five-minute interview right there. Matt Gates was just coming to town with those boys. So that's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll try to jump into that tomorrow. We got a Duke University professor calling for $14 trillion in reparations. He's asking for $350,000 per black American. That's all. Three hundred fifty grand. Fourteen trillion. I think we ought to be able to handle that. I mean, why not? Just do it. Get it over with. Anyway, that and much more. We'll see what else we can get ourselves into tomorrow, but I got to go. You guys have a fantastic Thursday. Thanks for listening to Brewers Briefing. It's time for Tradio with Tricia.